Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Android Faithful, your week, the source for the latest news, hardware, and apps for the world of Android. That, that last part of that intro, a little bit different than what I'm used to. I'm Jason Howell. And I am Ron Richards. And I'm Huynh Huynh Dao. And I'm Michelle Ramon. And I'm telling you, we are only two-thirds of the way through the people that are on this show with that <laughs> list of people. Goodness. That's crazy today. How y'all doing? Good to see you. So happy to hear you do the intro. Thank you. Yeah, it's only your second episode. You're already doing the intro. Man. And I can't you're, think you're of a quick, I, quick learner. I can't, yeah, quick learner. I can't think of a better way for our last episode of 2023 than to have Jason uh, kick us oh, off. And, and as you mentioned, it's a packed episode. Uh, should we welcome our first guest? I think All so. Right. Uh, a longtime family member of the show, Miss Florence Ion. How you doing, Flo? Hi, everybody. What's up, Flo? Good to see you. You know, nice back. Back. holidays. Gizmodo, of course. Material podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. any, any other things that we should get right up at the top? I can't tell you about my personal diaries. Okay, oh, wow. Maybe Haven't we don't need to know that. Yet. But, <laughs> <laughs> but check out her work, Gizmodo and uh, Material. And then and, our, la- yeah, it was se- our second guest, right, Jason? That's right. Welcoming to the show, Sean Hollister from The Verge. Sean is a good friend uh, in the world of technology and actually in the family of, of our podcasting because, Sean, you are uh, indeed actually related to Tom Merritt. So there's that. Oh. There is that. <laughs> <laughs> a little factoid for the people who don't know. Sean, it's great to have you here tonight. Thank you for taking Oh, my time. God. Thank you for having me. Yeah. 
we actually have you on uh, for a very specific reason. And then you uh, then you posted another story that was really important. So we're going to talk about two today, and we have you for a certain amount of time. So we will re- respect your time. I think we have about fifteen ish, maybe twenty at the most minutes with you. But Sean, the primary reason that uh, we reached out to you to bring you on the show today is because not only did you write for The Verge about the big Google Epic case and Google's epic loss in that case, you were, and you were saying this in in pre-show while we were getting set up, you were possibly the only journalist who was there in the courtroom every single day for this uh, this case. Yeah, I I was helped along by a number of veteran court reporters who welcomed me with open arms into the room. But, uh, you know, you you duck in and out for many trials, and we made a concerted effort to be there every day of this trial. And it was interesting to see uh, who who filtered it out because uh, Tim Sweeney, Epic CEO Tim Sweeney, was also there almost every single day, all but one. And so I got to watch his expressions or lack thereof as various things were revealed on the stand. So when you're in the room, this is this is always the thing that I find really interesting when I talk to journalists who have been inside the courtroom or at the event or whatever. Like I want to get a sense of kind of like the uh, the 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 temperature of the room while you're there. Was it a, was it a tense scene? Was it pretty subdued? I mean, we were we were also talking in pre-show that really anyone could actually go and check these out, and maybe if you've seen a lot of Law and Order, you expect it to be fireworks and craziness, but was it really that? Oh, yeah. well, the, the procedurally, it worked a little bit differently than I expected. So the, uh, the, the, the plaintiffs, in this case, Epic Games, always get to go first, questioning each witness that comes up on the stand. And then Google gets their turn with whichever witness, regardless of whether it's, you know, somebody who Epic brought up or somebody who Google brought up to help plead their case. And, uh, and, and so what, ended up happening the dynamic of the entire trial was that epic painted this 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 story of good and evil trying to you know explain that google had all these secret business deals where it was bribing uh, different companies not to install rival app stores or blocking them with contractual arrangements and then uh and then google of course had to spend a similar amount of time trying to convince the jury that this was just business as normal. This is just how the sausage is made. We make business deals. We offer discounts to different companies, and we hope that they will put their apps in our store. All we just want is these apps to be in the Google Play Store. We want people to buy Android phones, they tried to say. And uh, in the end, the jury did not buy that. Which and you pointed this out also in a in an article that posted just a, a handful of days ago for the Verge, which a lot of people have been really questioning how this case goes the way it did so decidedly against Google for Epic, and yet Epic Games had the same had a, had a very similar um, kind of case to make against. Apple, uh, very similar kind of like destination that they were going for. Yet in that case, the outcome was, I mean, it was entirely opposite. It was entirely different. And I think a lot of people, you know, Michelle, you were saying in pre-show that still every day people are asking you like, how the heck, how, how the heck could it be with so with, with one and not so with the other? Yeah. 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 Well, how, how could Epic have won again? How could Google have lost when Apple is the company that seems to be the obvious monopoly, right? Apple has this 
grasp the iron fist around the iPhone. It controls everything that goes on there. Whereas Google's like, you could, you could sideload apps from anywhere on the web. You could install a rival app store. Every Samsung phone comes with two app stores on the home screen. Google pointed out time and again in court, right there on the home screen is one of the quotes, you know? Uh, and, and, and these things are all true, but Google also wants to control Android for reasons both that we might, that us in this room, might accept as good reasons. You know, we want to make sure that security is there across the Android platform. We want to make sure all these phones get regular security updates. We don't want to see that fragmentation where we're missing out on features. But the other side of things is that internally, Google Play, the App Store, is a tremendous profit center for Google. We found out during the court, during the case that it makes maybe $12 billion in operating profit per year with operating margins of well over 70%. Uh, it, it, it could be a Fortune 100 company all by itself, a Google executive said in a recorded video that we watched in the courtroom, that the jurors heard in the courtroom. So they had incentives to make sure that other app stores did not come up on Android, did not get popular on Android. And did they do shady things to make sure that didn't happen? Mm -hmm. Well, they did, Epic wasn't able to prove everything it set out to prove that. I didn't see much evidence that Google directly bribed any other companies the way Epic was trying to tell us. It did. But it did arrange deals with hundreds of millions of dollars, um, possibly billions in, in, in the case of, say, an Activision Blizzard, where it would provide all kinds of co-marketing, it would provide Play Store credits, it would provide, you know, here's some here's some ad revenue over there, we'll share a little bit of our profit from the App Store there, and it adds up to, if anybody else wants to compete with the Google Play Store, you are facing a huge uphill battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. So uh, one of the things that I kind of brought up when we talked about this last time was like cases like these really show you the public versus private arguments that companies like Google and Apple are making when they try to sell you on the security aspects of Android versus like everything they're doing for Google Play. So I kind of wanted to ask you about like what you saw when you were going through the trial, like what was the perception of like having these revelations, these um, Google chat transcripts being shown to the jury like did it really sway the jury's opinion that much like was it um did it play a key factor in actually having the jury decide against google to seeing the actual intentions behind these deals and everything one of my colleagues in the courtroom was able to chase down a juror after the case was done and that juror told uh told her um uh, for, this is a journalist for Mlex, whose name escapes me right, right now, but I'll look her up later. Anyhow, uh, the juror told her that it really did, uh, that, that, that Google did not seem credible to them, that, that Sundar Pichai did not seem credible on the stand mm. based on everything they saw in testimony, based on what they heard in the courtroom. They thought that Epic was telling the truth and that Google was lying to protect itself 
for the most part. And so that wow. was, and, and, and I can, I can, I can understand that having seen the defense that Google mounted, having seen the internal emails that came out during this trial, there were so many, so, so very many emails and chats where Google was very clearly trying to defend its play profits. They very clearly wanted to block other app stores from being able to compete with Google play. Like that intent was obvious, but that's not the entirety of how courtrooms work. What happens after that is uh, each side, Epic and Google, gets to ask the people who wrote those emails, who are brought into the court as witnesses, they get asked, what were you thinking? What did you mean when you wrote this? What did you mean when you said this? And both of the companies have a chance to allow that witness to explain away what they actually meant to defend you know, what they said, what they wrote in those emails. And uh, and I could see, you know, that, that Google was, you know, trying to explain things away that were pretty clear on paper. It was pretty clear what they meant. So I can understand how the jurors wound up reaching that, that idea. But if you look at the contracts, too, it, it is true um, that none of the contracts explicitly say, you shall not have a rival app store on Android. You must put your game only in the Google Play Store. They say you have to ship it on the Google Play Store at the same time as you ship it elsewhere. You have to give it feature parity. And I could see how a developer, you know, well, I guess I'm going to spend the money to make this game look good on Apple. I'm going to spend it to look good on Google Play. Maybe I'm not going to put the effort into these other stores. Again, uphill battle, but not outright block. I have a really quick question for you, Sean, which is I, you know, first of all, I want to say I've been following your reporting on this. Thank you so much. Oh, uh, but I'm wondering, could you tell who in the courtroom was using Android? Did you look around? Did you like survey to see who was actually using a an Android device? <laughs> I, I wish it were that easy. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, not only are are no no phones allowed in the courtroom, oh, that's true. except for except for in the um, in, right. in the in the journalist section, and even then, you know, they're a little cautious. Um, but uh, but there were a couple times that some lawyer did whip out a phone and the judge got a little snooty about that <laughs> and so by about halfway through the case nobody was daring to pull out a phone anymore. oh my gosh oh gosh <laughs> uh but 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 uh but one of the lawyers actually said uh one of the lawyers on Epic's side was talking about how much she loved google products and uses them all the time and was still grilling uh, this is lauren moskowitz um one of the one of the hard-nosed attorneys on the on the on the on the epic game side uh she was she was she was talking that uh, uh, talking up google at the same same time she was grilling google real hard about uh, their practices wow um and that's not even all like obviously your reporting has been extensive on that case so everybody um who really wants to know this case inside and out definitely uh, you know search out sean's work at the verge on that but you also wrote about something that's not directly related, like it's not part of this case at all, but it is related because it kind of t feeds into the kind of very similar um, cross points between the two cases um, and the technology that Google's, uh, you know, has with Android entirely separate from the Epic uh, versus Google case. This is a ruling uh, or sorry, um, a ruling that happened in a case that Google, I, apparently this started back in 2021, 36 states suing Google over antitrust issues in the Play Store settlement, or sorry, in the Play Store. And then there's settlement terms now uh, from September that were just made public. And uh, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm hearing about like, you know, what is this? What is the impact here as far as sideloading, which is kind of like a, 
you know, an Android staple as far as we're concerned. Uh, how does this impact in-app billing? Like yeah. a lot of questions about the impact of this case, which is different but similar. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, let me, let me spend a moment on different but similar because there are so many of these cases right now. It's a little bit hard to keep track, but um, the, the, Apple, the Apple case was different from the Google case, even though they're both about the Play Store and in-app billing practices, and maybe Google is making these secret deals and and not you know allowing other stores to rise up. Um, they're they're antitrust suits. They're all like, does Google have a monopoly on this? And this one, um, this one is a consol. This this last one here is a consolidated case that where it was originally like you said, thirty six state attorneys general, and it was consolidated with consumer plaintiffs as well. So there were a whole bunch of individual people who were like, I paid, you know, or some lawyer got me to say that I paid more than I should have for apps because these companies, you know, are, are, are their 30% fee is ridiculous and forcing developers to charge too much and therefore I paid too much. So consumer plaintiffs, state attorneys general, uh, all the rest of the states and, and several U.S. territories signed on as well. So this settlement should eventually cover all 50 states and beyond. And there were additionally, um, um, so states, consumers... I'm missing one other party. I think that also consolidated under this, but this settlement came out and the reaction I'm hearing uh, when I look around is that this is one, uh, an admission of guilt. Oh, Google's going to make all these concessions and a settlement is by definition, not that for one thing. Uh, and, and two, I'm hearing that this is, doesn't seem like a lot of money. When you consider that all 50 states and all mm -hmm. of these consumer plaintiffs settled, we have yeah. seen settlements Great. in the hundreds of millions of dollars already from Google over a single state. So for all the states to settle for 700 million bucks, that's not a lot. Um, the way it's distributed is interesting, too. So um, first off, 700 million bucks, as I mentioned in this piece, this is roughly 21 days worth of Google's profit from the App Store alone. So this is this is this is not a big amount of money for Google. Um, most of that money will go towards satisfying consumer plaintiffs. So six hundred twenty-nine million dollars will probably be distributed to individual users of Android who might get a buck or two. Yeah, maybe. I was going to say, yeah, handful of cents. And then the states are, are going to get $70 million, which has to cover all of their legal expenses, among other things. Mm -hmm. Taxes, fees, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then there is the long list of concessions, which I argue in this piece are really not – I'd love to hear what all of you think because I, I pay attention to Android, but, but you in this room, no Android, forwards and backwards uh, – You've spent yeah. way more time digging into it than I have. I've, I've followed some of your work. And uh, what I know is that if I compare this to what Epic wants in the Epic v. Google case, this would not even begin to scratch the surface of what Tim Sweeney wants to see happen here. Yeah. Um, Tim a lot Sweeney of these came practices, out swinging. Go ahead. Yeah, Tim Sweeney came out swinging right after this case uh, was, right after the settlement was revealed. He was not very happy with the outcome of this case. And one particular concession that he hammered on was the changes that Google was proposing to the default sideloading flow. Um, could you explain a bit about how sideloading is changing? 
if you if you know off the top of your head yeah 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 um i wonder if uh yeah my quick post is coming okay so literally today if you try to sideload an app on android you're taken through something called the unknown sources flow which google argues and this is mostly true um only requires you to enable this once for a particular source so for instance you say I want my Chrome browser to be able to sideload apps to my phone. When I download an APK through Chrome, I want my phone to say, yes, I will actually install that. It's only a few steps. You only have to do it once for each source that you want to be able to install apps. You might have to do it again if you're downloading the Epic Games Launcher to install Fortnite. Uh, and it and Google itself does not impose very many of what I'm what I, what Epic calls and I agree with uh, should be called scare screens, but there are some scare screens, and one of them reads, "Your personal your excuse me your phone and personal data are more vulnerable to attack by unknown apps. By installing apps from this source, you agree that you are responsible for any damage to your phone or loss of data that may result from their use." And in the trial, Epic's uh, experts argued that this is a little bit ridiculous for two reasons. One, uh, they were saying, you know, are, is there some implied warranty here, Google? Are you going to protect my phone from damage or loss of data if I install through the Play Store? And Google was forced to concede that, of course, no, they're not going to protect your phone from any damage, regardless of where you install your apps from. You're responsible, period. If you download an app from anywhere, it breaks your phone. You're responsible, not Google. Two, um, it, it, it sounds unnecessarily scary and winds up scaring people off. Uh, Epic, Epic showed that a certain percentage of people uh, could not make it, did not make it from the, I, yes, I am downloading this app and I'm going to put it on my phone stage to the the phone has the, the the app has been installed in my phone stage they saw a huge drop off between those stages and the only thing that happens between those stages is the scare screens and the actual download process so i suppose some of those people could have been uh fallen off because they they couldn't download the app because of their data speed or something but many of them probably got scared away okay so that one that phrase you agree that you're responsible for any damage to your phone or loss of data that may result from their use is being replaced with something like this. Your phone currently isn't configured to install apps from this source. Granting this source permission to install apps could place your phone and data at risk. Less scary. Shorter. Uh, they also have to combine their two screens. They currently have two different things you have to click through into one. So you will get one screen with this message or something that is functionally identical to it, because that is what 50 states AG and or maybe 36 states AG and Google have agreed to. Um, this me message like this or functionally like it, um, you'll download the app APK through Chrome. You'll get that one screen with that one message. You hit, yes, actually, I do want to do that. And it should let you install the app. Interesting. I, I know that we could talk for a lot longer about this, but I know that you have a heart out and I want to um, make sure that we respect that, Sean. Um, love love the reporting that you're doing on all this because it's really helping to kind of make sense of a lot of things that could very easily get incredibly confusing. Um, 
But uh, yeah, this is, I mean, this has been a, a pretty big couple of weeks for, for Android when we're talking about the, the business model of Android and the incentives that Google has to bake in uh, some of these requirements and now the unraveling of that it kind of before our eyes in real time. So I imagine you're going to continue writing about this stuff as it pops I up. Would, I would, I will. I would hate to leave before hearing what you think is actually significant among this list of uh, this lo- this long list of concessions, as a developer, actually, I'm not impressed by anything any of this. Yeah, that, that, I'll leave it at that since together. I want to let you go. But you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to speak over Ruin. Oh, I'm sorry, um, I didn't mean to burst in flow. <laughs> no, it's okay. Oh my, and also look at us, women apologizing to each other. What are we doing? I, uh, <laughs> I actually put them into an article because I think that might be some bad news for Android users uh, going forward. So I. I, I would like to defer to that <laughs> for okay. my list. What, yeah, what do you say? What, what like what are some of those? If you had to summarize it real quick, um, I have to remember what I wrote. What did I? <laughs> what did I write? Folks? Computer on screen. Um, there was definitely there was one on there that said like now the bloatware can continue. So Samsung OEMs can now include the kind of apps that they want to include on there without requiring consent from Google. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that seems like kind of a, kind of a bad news bears. Um, also you, uh, the advertising that they give you about like uh, pricing, they can say whatever they want now so they can plaster all over. Like it's cheaper if you go to this app store or, you know, 30% off over here. I'm just like imagining ugly billboards all over like the, the paying module um it's just some really bad practices feel like they're coming oh the app developers they can update the app in the background without telling you uh through those third-party apps so you can get random updates even if you thought that you had deferred them which can be very annoying that's like the number one thing android users complain about uh in the forums so wow I would take this from a from like two different perspectives. I'd yeah. say for like the average user, like when I saw like um, the ongoing when a- Epic v Apple was ongoing and that that was decided, a lot of Apple users online were happy that Apple had won because they didn't want iOS to be opened up to third party app stores to all these other things because they like they like the locking. They like having a single app store to download everything from. They like having a single payment provider that also handles refunds. That also handles their you know, all their customer support stuff. They like having all of that. And from a perspective, I can kind of understand that. Like for my parents, right? I, I don't want to have to micromanage the places they install software from. Like if they're, yeah. if I give them a Windows PC, I got to be careful because mm-hmm. who knows what they might download and install, right? Versus with an iPhone or an average Android phone that just only installs from Google Play, there's not much I have to really worry about because of the baked in protections. And yes, there are a lot of, there are a lot of issues with Google Play, especially on the developer side with um, their billing system, their customer support system, how they handle developer relations in terms of like, if you get banned or you have a strike and there's a lot of issues at play, but for the average user, they don't care. They just want something that works. They want something that's easy. And so, you know, this unraveling and this opening up could potentially take away some of that simplicity for the average user. And I don't know if that's actually for the benefit of the average consumer. It's definitely for the benefit of the indie app developer 
and the small to medium um, app development company in many ways. But for the average consumer, there are some disadvantages to this opening up. Well, I see Wynn shaking your head. <laughs> I So I, I told the story yesterday on DTNS with Tom, but basically, and, and something that you mentioned, Sean, is that even if this is open and nominally things are more equal, the, it's going to be a lot harder. A lot more things have to open up for two app stores to have an equal experience and to be of equal quality. And then I, I kind of mentioned experience we had with Amazon App Store. Sure, we could put our app on Amazon App Store, but the app itself was inferior to our other app because of a lot of proprietary stuff, you know, tied up with Google Play services. And no, yes, we we actually respond to if our users don't want, you know, extra friction, we're not going to spend the time to invest in a alternate payment source. So we respond to that too. So again, like I, I'm just very disappointed by all this, and I don't think it's enough yet because. Again, I believe in like equal, you know, in equal app stores and in quality in markets. But until things loosen up, until there's actual quality in market power in a, in kind of like you know uh, frictionless, you know, uh, you know, interaction with the users, it's not going to happen. And people like me are just not going to spend the time to do it. I'm not going to support four app stores as an indie dev because it's not worth my time. I'll just support Google Play Store, put up with it, and then hope I, my my account get, never gets banned until. I can actually reasonably justify the ROI on supporting multiple multiple stores, and I, I think that's the point that you made. I just like, yeah, it's not equal. It's 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 far from it. So. Yeah, it's it's not clear to me. One of the things that's that's, that's interesting for me about um, uh, spending a little time listening to the legal system in action is it's not clear to me who, if anybody, would have the power to make it fully equal or even close to fully equal like the states mm. they weren't going to get there um the uh the epic uh, epic may have won mm-hmm. but we have no idea what the judge believes is in his power to grant that he believes you know is it is not only in his power to grant initially but won't be overturned on appeal right uh, because a judge would not want to grant a ru- something that will be overturned on appeal that's not great um mm. Maybe what we what we've seen more and more recently is that uh, Europe is setting the tone for mm-hmm. uh, regulation across the board in technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, they their regulators are willing to push further mm-hmm. and uh, have the power to uh, to fine real amounts of money that actually impact a company's bottom line if they do not comply if they do not comply um, and make things uh, more fair as far as the european regulators believe them to be fair who who knew Um, the eu with regulate capitalism who knew that they would do (laughs) (laughs) turning out to be a pretty effective uh effective approach for for getting um kind of the technology companies to to kind of bend hey iphone got USB-C. that's that's exactly right right uh and we're certainly not at the end of of what we're going to see as far as that's all concerned i'm thank super, you so much for having me yeah i'm super aware of the time and i know we need to let you go sean hallster thank you so here, much for, for being here it's really great to get your perspective on all of this and uh i've just always really appreciated uh your reporting uh, and uh everybody should uh, definitely check out what you're doing at the verge if people want to find you online just go to theverge.com do a search for sean hallster that's the way to find you there That'll work, yeah. All right. Right on. Sean, thank you. We'd love to have you back sometime soon. We appreciate your time. Bye, everyone. All right. Bye. Take care, Sean. Bye. And through the magic of podcasting, (laughs) we bring back 
Ron. Hello. I figured Welcome back was, to the show. There, there was enough people at the table. I wanted to, to defer. You know, you didn't need to see my big head. That way, I could press the buttons behind the scenes. I know. My best impression of Burke. So yes, exactly. You got to see what it was like to be a technical director. Exactly. Exactly. So cool, cool stuff. I mean, it was fascinating just to listen to that, and and I think yeah. that. This is like going to be a mo. My two cents is this is a moment in time. Like this is whether we whether we realize it now or not. Th- this is a marker for the, what is the next chapter of all this stuff that that that's going to shape what we're looking like for the next couple of years. So uh, really curious to see how it all pans out. Uh, yeah, 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 indeed. Cool. All well, right, that, and so, Sean is so great. By the way, how how great is Sean? He's just he's fantastic. Shot so he's one of my favorites. <laughs> Absolutely one of my yeah. favorites. He's a great guy. All right, when we got more news, it's we got do your name written all over it. Well, at least it your does. Initials. If I could just find the sheet after you know <laughs> <laughs> going back and forth, it, you know, and and you know, it's kind of the story that keeps on giving for better for worse. We did have Eric Mijakowski with us. Was it just a couple weeks ago or a, lot, a couple weeks ago? And the Beeper saga continues. And we touched last week how the U.S. government, uh, specifically Senators Klobuchar and Warren, were starting to pipe in on the conversation and join the conversation and call into question what Apple is doing. So of course, Beeper, since we talked to Eric Minchakovsky, has had a rough time of it, to put it lightly. And of course, yeah. Apple has repeatedly been engineering ways to block them from, you know, for, from Beeper Mini being, you know, functional. And, you know, with all this, uh, in the middle of all this, you have to give Eric and the team at Bieber a lot of credit for fighting the good fight because people have noticed. And this week, so on top of, you know, Senator Warren and Se- Senator Klobuchar, uh, you know, speaking out and also having Eric to testify before um, Congress, uh, Senators Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota and uh, Mike Lee of Utah and Representatives Jerry Nadler of New York and Ken Buck have jointly written a letter that is basically pushing for an investigation of Apple for, quote, potentially anti-competitive conduct, you know, in, in regard to them just basically parrying every blow that Beeper has been, <laughs> you know, um, hitting them with. And, you know, they, they say in this letter that Beeper Mini is, quote, creating a more competitive mobile market, mobile applications market, which in turn creates a more competitive mobile device market. And they used, you know, and, and we mentioned before with the EU and their Digital Markets Act, the DMA, and, you know, the recent news of, you know, certain companies that provide core services or that have core services being labeled gatekeepers, they're using the same, you know, language to kind of, I believe, you know, evoke these same kind of feelings. And of course, you know, uh, I think the DMA did label iMessages, for example, and, uh, you know, Apple as being core service and gatekeeper, you know, uh, well, consecutive or respectively. Actually, it uh, looks like they're not like there was a latest report. It hasn't been official yet, but it looks like they're not going to be labeling iMessage a gatekeeper in the EU just because of its relatively low use, which would be interesting mm-hmm. because if a similar yeah. res- legislation was passed in the U.S., there's no way iMessage would be different called the gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's, that's fair the, in the, the EU, the, and yeah, that's the, fair. The point yeah. that Flo made earlier about look at the EU you know, doing capitalism, but because there's not enough uh, volume of iOS users in Europe, it's not an issue. It doesn't um, even make a blip. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, but I think it, it is going to show that, at least in the U.S., it does matter. And it is the yeah. finger pointing is definitely more valid. And is it is a case to say, at least in the U.S., it is a core service. And that's what this letter seems to be kind of like evoking and, and the imagery and language that it's using. Uh, and, 
Well, I mean, we'll see how that shakes out and, and you know, what further actions our lawmakers here in the U.S. will take. Uh, Beeper, meanwhile, is working. But for those of you who are following and trying to support Beeper, at least continuing to be users, things are getting a little even more dicey. We reported last week that basically now you have to use a Apple ID. Well, it's even harder than that. Basically, the reason that Apple has been able to basically poo-poo on the beeper party this last week is that when you are when you are logging into iMessage basically Apple wants you to have some kind of freaking Apple hardware whether it's a phone or a computer and basically when you are logging in some registration data is generated by some Apple hardware that goes in with that sign in request and it's like hey yeah Apple hardware here in the house we're we're good we're we're one of y'all so basically what was happening is that Beeper's service was generating that registration data for you from their little farm of very hardworking, you know, Mac servers. But the problem is scale. So Mm -hmm. at the scale that Beeper is operating at, one registration data generated from one of their servers was being used for a thousand users. And that's, that's probably like being able to, to, to to basically filter out registration data that was being used by a thousand different accounts is something that Apple managed to pick up on. Um, So what the Beeper solution is, is to basically let you or your friends that happen to have Apple hardware generate registration data for you and share that, which is not good, is not the best experience for less tech-savvy people. (laughs) Beeper did find a way. Uh, It wasn't quite as hard as drilling into amber and extracting DNA from a mosquito, but it's getting to be there. Um, And so, yes, if you have a Mac device that you want to generate registration data for for iMessage services, you can share that with 10 to 20 of your friends because that's about the size that seems to still you know, not, you know, alert Apple's servers that, hey, you're you're doing something I don't like. Um, but uh, you will have to regenerate this registration data once a week to once a month because of the you know the way that it works and it's gonna want to see new registration data. So um that's I I don't know how to spin that. I mean like there's a way, but it's not it's not it, easy. Is this is it's it, not, it's, it's, this is like this is like classic square peg round hole or like yeah. or Android phone peg apple sized hole right yeah um, yeah <laughs> right? totally but um, um so, so so there's so much to unpack with this the the, the two things i want to make a point and then flow i want i want to have you weigh in on this um one is the fact that this went from us talking to Eric two weeks ago and like Eric being on This Week in Tech and like doing the rounds of the tech thing to the fact that CBS Mornings is covering it is like i in the two week span i think is fascinating Further, CVS, CBS, not CVS, you can, you can go get your flu shots, but at CBS, um, in that piece, and I encourage you to go check out CBS Mornings, it's online, you can watch the piece where they interview Eric, and they revealed the identity of the 16-year-old hacker, a kid by the name of James Gill, um, who's also in that interview, so if you want to see the kid who figured this out, bravo to him, I hope he has a, a very mm-hmm. successful future ahead of him. Um, the kid who's working overtime right yeah, now, exactly. because every time they fix it, exactly. it gets broken but, again, he's like, oh god, yeah. here I go again. Again, but Flo, I know you've written a bunch about this since it's happened. So, what is your take on the whole beeper situation for you know our listeners who might not have read your pieces? So, uh, Ron, you said something, and then my earphones oh. went null. So that's <laughs> what is, awesome. What is your take um, on the What is your take on the whole beeper saga uh, right now? All right. Well, Flo's having some technical difficulties. I'm really sorry. So we'll... I have to do this mid-recording. I don't know what just happened. I'm so That's sorry. Okay. That's okay. It's all right. There we'll are brother headphones. Yeah. We'll, if there's we'll one positive outcome to all of it. I wanted to be on the show today. <laughs> 
Michelle, oh, if there's one go. positive if outcome. There's, if there's one positive outcome to come out of all of this, it's hopefully something similar to the DMA gets passed in the US and Apple's forced to open up iMessage. I'll yeah. I'll take the loss of Beeper Mini if that happens. <laughs> it would it, it would it would be nice if if um if we're able to get that solution and Apple relents basically. Um Eric, yeah, so this is an interesting um thing. I'm back by the way. Oh great. Welcome back, Flo. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. That's okay. We missed you, but we're really it's happy good to that have you're back. back well we well what here. what you missed is I wanted to know what your take on the whole beeper saga has been. Yeah, well I wanted to tell you, but um my OnePlus Buds Pro died. Uh, even though ah, I charged them. Ah, Not sure it happened there, a- OnePlus. Uh, <laughs> Get better with that wireless charging. Um, so really what's kind of going on here in my mind is, first of all, I guess kudos to getting Warren on this crusade because mm. she's looking for anything right now to latch on to. Yes, it's a political statement I'm making. Uh, and I, I just find it really interesting that we're rallying the senators this way. Without considering that iMessage could be billed along the same lines as like the Slack or Discord apps, because iMessage may be proprietary to other iMessage users on a certain platform, but it doesn't keep people from actually texting each other because it will still allow you to send a text message regardless. And I really like, I understand what Beeper is trying to do for the platform, and I swear I am not taking Apple's side here, but this feels like a lot of hoops to jump through. Oh, yeah. To make this work. I think you're right, Flo, in that as much as I have sometimes positive feelings for our lawmakers, I think that there is the, the, the gap and the discrepancy between, you know, what the image presented is and the actual technical slash business, you know, reality of it. I feel like it's diluting the message a little bit if we kind of go in this and it, you know, it kind of overturned easily. It's it, it, I, I kind of feel that way that sometimes like the I don't know, I'm being mean and kind of like basically attacking the lack of technical acumen in, in Congress. But I, I just feel like that it, it's not it, it doesn't have. You're the not being mean. You're being truthful. These are people that we have voted <laughs> in who are supposed to be representing us and they do not know what they are representing. And it's frustrating, It's frustrating, especially yeah. with all this tech legislation going on, like the stuff huh. in the Play Store. Right. At the end of the day, like the users are the ones that are going to get the backs, you know, the the splashback from all of this. Like we're the ones that are going to have to deal with all of this like platform fighting. And if a politician really wants to appeal to us, like that's where they need to really Mm -hmm. get us, but they're not doing that because what they're doing is just latching on to it's election season guys. Oh yeah. I mean, you're totally right. I mentioned this totally going on. (laughs) I I said this last week, but like the the whole premise of Warren and Klobuchar latching onto this is flawed from the beginning because isn't competing. It's not competing with iMessage. It's an iMessage client. It's piggybacking. Well, no, but the thing, but yeah, but, and the thing is, is that there, but I, I will counter that because the argument isn't so much competing, rather it's the exclusionary, the angle yeah, that the, the government comes in is the exclusionary tactics that Apple does to suppress, you know, this is big tech suppressing American innovation, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the that's the government <laughs> angle that they're seeing. Whether you agree with it or not, I'm not saying I, I, I prescribe to that or not, but that is what they're, where they're coming from is that, that you've got a bunch of people in DC who are looking at Apple and Google and Microsoft and all these mm-hmm. companies as these companies that have got gotten too powerful they've gotten too big we need to reel them in and here's an example of a of a david versus a goliath that's all it is and 
to Flo's point, they don't understand what the f they're talking about at all, yeah. right? No, they're, they're they're you know they're taking that position, and it's good for Beeper because it is getting the it's getting CBS to notice, is getting the publicity to notice, and the fact of the matter is is that. Yeah, and it's funny because I've seen so many articles cropping up, and actually, you know, I I, I almost want to skip ahead to one of our emails, um, which we'll do that. We'll, we'll, we, I'm gonna, you know, because hey, I'm dry, I'm, like, run, I'm running, I'm running the show, and I can do whatever I want. Sure, Flo, make your comment. <laughs> Sorry, comment at the, at the Sorry. Yeah, yeah. actually, can I interrupt you? Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to say that actually, I've only written one article on this so far, yeah. and it's because we had an internal discussion. Like, it makes sense for nine to five and the blogs to kind of like keep up with what's going on in the incremental like stages because yeah. that's what we go to them for but for the bigger outlets like right now i'm sorry bigger outlets i meant more mainstream no yeah more uh, general not yes, specific apologies yeah, 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 to yeah, our yeah, friends followed. in blogs yeah. um it, but what i want to say is that i'm really just kind of sitting back and watching this right now like i have beeper installed i'm every time they ask me to reauthorize i do and you guys know i cover iphone now so i have the hardware to spoof it myself yep. and so i'd be very curious if they end up coming up with a solution that will just let us android users more easily like with our resources do something which I'm cool with because yeah. that's in the spirit of being Android. Well, so th- that's a great that's a great segue. We did get in, so we're gonna jump to one of our emails. Uh, we're gonna pivot a little bit. Bob from Pennsylvania wrote in and he says, "Hey, Android faithful, maybe this is beating a dead horse to talk about some more, but I think this article sums up my feelings about iMessage pretty well. I don't really want to use iMessage, but I just want to I just want the bullying and complaining about our green bubbles to stop." Ugh! It's Beeper's Mini's message of peace that is com- that is the compelling part, not the bubble color it promises. Uh, anyway, thanks for what you do for the community. Love the show. Super excited. Jason's returning. We all are. Not that everyone else isn't great. Ha ha. No, we're not that as great as Jason is. Uh, this just makes a great team even greater. Uh, Bob true. from Pennsylvania. And the article Bob was referring to was a piece that ran on Android Police, which... I think represented, I saw a bunch of articles that were similar to this, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. where this is a piece by uh, yeah. Will Saddleberg at Android Police, where the headline is, Android users don't want iMessage, they just want peace. And that pretty much sums it up, is that all, all Apple's got to do is implement RCS and get rid of the two different colors. That's all it is, and then and then this all goes away, and they could they could stop beeper in their track. If tomorrow they updated iMessage and said all bubble colors, you can pick your bubble colors, you know the customizable bubble colors, and everyone will be blue. This all evaporates, and why they won't do that is just a little bit of hubris, a little bit of stubbornness, yeah. a little bit of Apple, you know, like that sort they're, of thing. They're not going to get rid of the colors. Yeah, like the colors yeah. serve a purpose. Yeah. They are there yeah. You know, yeah. for a very specific purpose. Yeah. They also have the added benefit, depending on who you ask, of like waging this like class war behind the scenes. But right. they have yeah. an actual purpose. Yeah. They do tell you that certain features within the Apple realm are going to work if your color is that. Um, right. And I don't even think that you know RCS being encrypted changes that. Apple still has many features in iMessage that they're going to want other members, other users of iMessage to know that they're they they get those features between each yeah. other. But um, but I would agree. I think the majority of, of Android users, at least this is where I stand. Like I'm I'm far less interested in using iMessage as my messaging platform. Like I don't I could really care. Yeah. I, like I couldn't care less about that. 
Um, I just want for my messages to not suck when I'm chatting with an iPhone yep. user. Yeah, I just and want to be able to see the, the same photos, the photos, and the, the video. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. exactly. They're, they're the are iPhone fr- parents. There are friends. There are friends of mine who I can't send. I went to a concert the other a couple weeks ago. My buddy's like, "Oh, send me." I saw Jason Isbell join Dinosaur Junior, and it was fantastic. And he's like, "Send me that video." And he's on an iOS, so I didn't even bother to send the video. I sent oh. him a link to the video in Google yeah. Photos, right? Yeah, and, there you and, go. You know, yeah. and but he's not one of us, so he's like, "What do I do with this link?" And I was like. Oh, right. I, yeah, it's I'm like, so confused. Yeah, yeah, do I have exactly. to log in? It's yeah. So anyway. Yes. Um, that, that brings me to the point. It's kind of absurd that Apple has to compete by locking users out from sharing files from one another and just sending messages to one another. Yep. A phone maker should but be competing. it doesn't lock. On, Hold on. It doesn't lock anybody. Well, it, it just does it like, in low res. It That's how they skirt it. I know. But, yeah, but, like, but I just want to bring that up because like I saw that Warren tweet that we put up about yeah. her saying like, how mm-hmm. could Apple ban it? And like Apple banned Beeper because it was doing something that was kind of against its terms of service. Which they, they actually, which we totally understood why they did, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They were, they were so, using they were using an exploit that spammers could use if they could figure it out, right? It was really kind of dangerous. They were playing with fire, you know. And um, I'm I'm not defending Apple. I just am trying to bring up like I'm trying to think like a lawyer and how they would look for, you know, the ways that they would prove you wrong with you saying that like, oh, you got locked out. No, 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 we didn't lock you out. We still let you use parts of this. It's right. the exclusivity yeah. of the high res is for the yeah. device owners. Yeah. My main point was that like phone makers should be competing on things like camera quality on your camera sensors, your display quality, your battery, your actual like your unique software features, your AI, you know, assistant and what are not, not the ability to share files via airdrop. Cause That's like, you know, fair, if you want to share really files really. between Android and iOS, you got to use. You got to have everyone agree on something. If you want to send messages, you got to use a different app. Like it's kind of ridiculous that we have to jump through these hoops just to be able to talk to each other or send files to each other. Meanwhile, I'm enjoying my life with nearby share. I'm just sharing files between my Windows PC I'm, and like the three Android phones I have around me. And then when I have to do any file moving between the iOS devices, I'm like, oh my God, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Flo, you are literally yeah. the biggest fan of nearby share I know. Every time we talk, I, you nearby share gets I in the conversation. It multiple. <laughs> Sometimes I use it because I'll take screenshots on the Z fold and then I'll send those screenshots of memes to the pixel because I need to send a signal message. <laughs> Message, and it's only encrypted on one device. Oh. So, when? yeah, Flo, I, I got I got my husband to really love Nearby Share when we were in Japan because our service was spotty. So when we were sharing links yes. and sharing pictures, we just used Nearby Share. He freaking loves it now. Oh, yes. that's pretty clever. Yes. That's now. a smart and, solve. Hey, and my husband's an Android dev, so he should know about this stuff. And obviously, it <laughs> is not is tech savvy, but it just takes using it and having a, and having good. Use I just taught like, oh. my husband about it too. <laughs> recently. He was like, "What is this?" I was like, "It's Aww. Nearby Share." It's a Nearby Share kumbaya. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's real. That's a really clever usage of nearby share. When that's, I got to remember that. Yeah, that's no, I, I yeah. we did, I didn't yeah. even think about it. I was like, yeah. oh, sh- we can nearby share. Yeah. Like it, I just, I, sometimes I, just I do the it. airdrop to my husband. Like we'll be sitting on the couch and I'll send him something like <laughs> yes. an awful screenshot that I just pasted. But yeah, yeah. it's it's possible for yeah. us now. All right. Well, we can go on and on talking about this, but we got we got even more show to get through. Um, more. Um, we're already done with news. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, more. we got one last bit of news to go through because 
every week, all of our awesome patrons over at Patreon get the opportunity to help us to vote on a, a story for us to talk about. Um, and before we do that, I do want to take a moment and thank all the amazing people on Patreon, including all of our new patrons who join now that Jason has joined. You all are amazing. We it's we've been calling it the Jason bump uh, internally, um, and we know that thank there's you. there's more of you out there. Um, we really appreciate your support, helping the the four of us, five of us, six of us, the whole the, the big Android uh, Android faithful fan. Uh, get it all done. We really appreciate that. Um, and so thank you to everybody supporting it. Um, and you can go to patreon.com slash androidfaithful and there you could sign up. And we know there's more of you out there that might be on the fence. It's very cheap. You can sign up for as low as five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month. There's the, also the $500 bucks a month that gets you on the show, which I'm surprised nobody's done yet. Come on, use that year end bonus. Um, but so you go, and in addition, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash androidfaithful and every week you can vote on a new story. And this week we had three stories up for grabs. Uh, nothing. Nothing OS 2.5 based on Android 14 begins rolling out to the Nothing Phone 2 came in last with 14%. Methinks nobody cares about nothing. Um, coming in second was the fact that the Grand Theft Auto trilogy is now on Netflix games on mobile, including Android. Uh, got 23% of the vote. Um, but the winner above all was the fact that Google Messages Sure enough, <laughs> is giving RCS, RCS chats uh, background wallpaper. Uh, you know we, what? It was time. Yep. <laughs> it was time. So, you know, uh, as they're looking for what, the, what their own green bubble functionality could be inside Google Messages, Google's now um, giving more of a green circle slash bubbles backdrop for RCS conversations. Um, uh, and this is separate from another feature that's coming soon that allows for custom bubble colors, which is what I mentioned earlier is what Apple should just do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just like, while all this beeper drama is going on, I love the fact that Google is silent and just slowly adding more features to Google Messages. We're here. Right? We have cool stuff for you. Yeah. And it's fine. I've I've been perfectly happy. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's – I, I, I love Google Messages, by the way, except – Except I want it back. You guys know what I want, right? Michelle and yes. Wynn, you know, I've been complaining about it all year, right? Rightfully so. The the message sorting feature that was there that separated your personal texts from company, from oh, business texts. When did they yeah. remove that? They, I mean, I never used it, but when did they remove it? They removed that? it like in August, I think, like August or September oh. for some reason. It was before Android 14 rolled out. I'm praying that there's a larger plan that that will apply and bring it but like right now like it was so great because my messages were so neat and tidy at all my friends and that yeah. all my otp messages and my 2fa messages and marketing messages and things like that they were separated i was i was texting more and now that it's just a mess of personal mixed with business stuff i'm texting less and I'm so socializing more yeah I know. maybe they're ge- geminifying the ai that helps you sort through things and adding summaries or something something uh, they're turning it to an air sign I yeah, hope so, I hope so. But, Maybe. Um, yeah, who knows? Oh. Um, so yeah, so there you go. That's what the patrons want us to talk about. Um, but I do, before we move on, two more notes about our patrons. First, I want to thank David Gerbino, who is one of our patrons for supporting us. David, you rock. We thank you very much. Shout out to you, thank my friend. You, David. Um, and then finally, a little bit of a plug. Um, as we said, or as I said earlier, this is the last uh, episode of the year, um, and uh, we're going to be dark uh, next week for uh, the holidays. Uh, but we are going to do a patron-exclusive wrap-up of 2023 where uh, Michelle, Wynn, and Jason and I are going to talk about our favorite things from 2023 and Android and kind of give you kind of our little picks. You can only get that on Patreon, though. Um, exclusive. So you gotta, yeah, so if you want to hear that Patreon exclusive, you got to go to patreon.com slash Android Faithful and sign up. So that's going to be coming out next week. Uh, so keep an eye out on that. 
Um, and I am going to break the news that we're not going to do a best of this year. Thank you to everybody who submitted the stuff. Um, but the combination of we just didn't get enough submissions and running out of time and all that sort of stuff. But uh, we will do it it's next year. There's been a lot of change in December. Yeah, there's been a lot of change, so, so bear with us. We thank you, everybody, for okay. I will say that the, the majority of the best of moments were the starting of the show and Jason joining. So. <laughs> there you go. There's your best of moment right there. Right, Just right watch here. last week's episode. Yeah. You got it. Exactly. Go. But, but instead, I, if, instead of a best of, you, Jason? Uh, make, if it makes you feel any better, Ron, yeah. um, when I was kind of going through old episodes from Twit and like pulling out like archive episodes that I want to keep on a hard drive and not just up in the cloud in case they disappear yeah. someday. Um, not that I think that they will, but I just want to keep them. And uh, I realized, and I forgot about this, I think the first three um, years of All About Android, we did not have a best yeah. of. So, so we're, we're keeping that know, tradition. Yeah, we're keeping yeah. the tradition yeah. alive. Um, no best of first year. But instead, you're going to get a Patreon exclusive uh, 2023 wrap up. There so, you go. So tune into patreon.com slash Android Faithful for that. Um, and with that, I'm going to stop talking so we can get into hardware. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And this, and this is where it. normally there'd be some yeah. music or something. <laughs> Hopefully eventually we'll get some music. I'll, uh, I'll work on it yeah. someday. So the first bit of hardware news we have is a report from the from a publication called The Information. Um, if you're a subscriber, they, they do a lot of excellent reporting about Silicon Valley tech companies. And this time they did a report talking about um, various efforts by Google to um, shore up its AI, its, its work on AI and open AI to compete with open AI, et cetera. And one of the interesting tidbits they revealed is that Google appears to be working on a new AI assistant for Pixel smartphones called Pixie. 
And this is rumored to be basically a much more personalized version of Google Assistant. So basically, you teleport yourself back, time travel back eight years ago, and everything you thought Google Assistant would be, hopefully this is what it will actually be whenever this launches sometime, hopefully with a Pixel 9. <laughs> sure, keep hoping. So, um, keep hoping. <laughs> keep hoping. <laughs> so Pixie is rumored to be um, be using the new Gemini um, large language model that Google, that we talked about a couple of weeks back, that Google unveiled. There are three tiers of the Gemini model, the Gemini Nano, Gemini Pro, and Gemini Ultra. The Pro model is what's currently used on Bard Online. The Gemini Nano model is what's currently being used on the Pixel 8 Pro for the summarization feature in the Pixel Recorder app, as well as the new Smart Reply feature in Gboard when you're messaging through WhatsApp. So right now, the Gemini Nano model can't really do a lot except for very small text-based stuff. Um, so we don't know exactly the full details of what exactly Google will be shipping once they enable this Pixie um, AI assistant on device. But perhaps the more um, sophisticated version of the Gemini model running on next year's device or maybe the year after his device. But supposedly this model will be able to synthesize information from various Google services like Gmail, Maps, and other Google products. And you'll be able to, you know, maybe do things like have it automatically give you um, information about a package in Gmail and automatically show you its des- its routing information through Maps. Like, who knows? We don't have a lot of details. We just know it's something that they're working on right now. Cool. Uh, but it is interesting that it sounds a little bit different than the previous, fe- the previous feature that we know is coming that Google did show off at the Made by Google event in October, which is the Assistant with Bard. Um, that doesn't seem to be the same thing as Pixie. That seems to be potentially a less evolved version of Pixie. Pixie might be the next evolution of Assistant mm. with Bard. Um, so hopefully we'll find out more once that launches. I, and there was a, one other small tidbit from this report is that Google was toying with some kind of object recognition with Spark classes. Basically, you have like classes that you can uh, take a picture and ask it, and it can describe classes. what you're looking at. Really? If you're... <laughs> I, it's. I don't know if you've seen really? the demo. What's the of point the, of wait, what's the, the point of wearing glasses to take a picture on, of an object and then have it tell you what you're looking at? <laughs> you, I mean, I recognize maybe if you if you're visually impaired that could be helpful, but I can see the goddamn thing in front of me. <laughs> I don't need you to tell me what it is, Pixie. Bear, bear with me for a sec. It's basically like Google Lens, but always active. If you, I don't know if you've oh, seen the that's demo. A this, is this, this is how much this costs. This is how much this costs. This is how much this costs. So a friend of mine has the Meta Ray-Bans. I was going to bring yeah. that up. A friend of mine got them, and he loves them. He's taking pictures with them and using them yeah. and stuff like that. Thinks they're awesome. Yeah, like, yeah. they look really impressive. Basically, any anything you take a picture of, you can ask it to describe it. And, like, Marquez, the, the MKBHD crew, they did a live demo of it on them while they were doing the podcast and it like described two guys with them in front of a microphone when it appears to be doing a podcast and it was it was so cool that's that's, huh. that's a trip <laughs> I, I i gotta say this whole pixie thing horrifies me because my kids have uh, they're they're gonna be five in a couple of days uh they figured out how to talk to the google homes and now yeah. it, it is like literally walking through my house the christmas tree just turns on and off and but like but with a, a little kid voice going hey g turn off the christmas tree hey g turn on the christmas Right? So if, if if you give it a name like Pixie and make it even that much more friendly, it's going to be even that much more horrifying. So. What a cute name, yeah. too. The Pixie. The Pixie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Marketable. Yeah, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, and it, yeah, it's it's kind of a convenient name considering Meat like, so Pixie. Like, yeah. It's Meet cute. Pixie. It's for tween girls. <laughs> I see the marketing again. Remember there. Justice? <laughs> this is the new millennial moms. Do you remember this era? We're back. I kind of want to hey, get those when, those when the assistant though. launched. It was pretty cool, and it did do some really cool things. And then it just it did all fell apart. It did. Look yeah. at us; we're all cynical I just, about I just it. Wanna, now. Uh, yeah, I just want to, yeah, I just want to like reconstruct a little bit of the history because it's easy to look back and be like, it never did anything we wanted it to do, and it's it's not true. Like you know, the OK Google. Can I say that on this show? Um, you know, that, that whole thing, like there were times where we were really taken by the, the capability and the technology. And then over time, it just seemed to really fall apart. Now, like I'm surprised when it does exactly what I, I want I, I will be. And I want that to change. I, I will be honest. As the, I don't have the sound effect. Burke hasn't sent it to me yet, but I have the sound effect of my Google Glass reaction. But as someone who is easily impressed by technology, um, I find myself arguing with um, Google, <laughs> with the Google Assistant more often than not. Where it's just, it's like, I'm still having problems with YouTube music. It still doesn't play the stuff I wanted to. Um, you know, it, it, I don't know. It just, it, it can, Jason, to your point, it is very, very frustrating. Um, yeah. And the response, the canned responses and the, you know, when I know I'm getting a bad answer and like also the, it's great to have the continuous conversation, but also it doesn't know when to not talk, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, just, you know, the, right. like being in the kitchen and just all of a sudden it starts talking to you. It's like, oh, stop it. You know? So, but uh, or when it starts just, talking yeah. and you're yelling at the kid to do something yep. and then it starts oh. listening while you're yelling. Yep. So it's actually sending Google an entire audio of you and how yeah. you yell at your child when no one is looking. Yeah. And then it's judging you. Yep. Some writing a report. I saw some intern is judging me. I saw I saw the I saw a stupid TikTok doing the we're blank meme, you know, and it's a we're we're parents. We're we're gonna kill we're gonna kill you with kindness and then yell at you for no reason and then apologize. And I'm like, oh god, (laughs) too real. (laughs) Too real. Um you you know what else is like parents? (laughs) The Asus ROG phone eight and eight pro. See, I've, it's like I didn't even take a couple of weeks off from podcasting. It's Smooth like segue, a like butter. Yeah. Like, Isn't that great? I've, I, I did that off the top of my head. <laughs> I know that's weird uh, to, to consider. The Asus ROG Phone 8 and the 8 Pro, apparently this is my beat because I think I talked about this last week too, um, gets even more leaked designs, full specs even. And we were talking about it a little bit last week. You know, the ROG Phone, Wrong. it is... I know you say rog and I'm, I'm reprogramming myself. Wrong. I just want to know. I just want to know how do I get a visa to get to the Republic of Gaming? How do I get to the Republic of Gaming? What is oh, the Republic what, of you, Gaming? Sorry, I got it wrong. <laughs> no, you 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 get a V I S A rog to okay, go to R O G. Okay, you buy one of these phones. That's all it takes. <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> That's all it takes. What is the what is the um, what is the currency right there? <laughs> It's uh, RGB lighting. I was going to say it's LED. (laughs) Something along those lines. Um, Last week when we were talking about this, I was mentioning that this phone looks less gaming phone, more kind of mainstream gaming phone. phone. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it is. The, it's the gaming phone for your parents. There you go. Yeah, sure. If your parents ever wanted a phone with an LE, with a colorful so LED, you can get a, you can get a, be that big. You can get a water cooled <laughs> phone to play solitaire on. Mm, yes. Hey, it's intense. Okay. <laughs> okay, but in all sincerity, though, uh, I do. I, I like this. I've never actually touched this phone except for like one time seven years ago, and all about Android. I think somebody brought it. 
yeah. to the studio. It was like the one time. I I think it was Josh Vergara, actually, now that I remember. Yeah, you, I think you're right. Yeah, but I... Sounds d- right. I'm thinking about Michelle. You were talking today about your fold and how you um, you use the handheld controllers with it and how you're doing all this gaming. And I was thinking about how I I don't have the hardware to do that right now. I should probably call something in. But like, I really like the Xbox Game Pass and being able to just like jump in to Dreamlight Valley, which is the only game that I've played this year. Uh, you know, I just I just love this idea of your phone being a little game like game console with just an extra accessory we should just normalize that that's what they were supposed to be doing this whole time yeah i mean i i honestly just do not have enough time to game anymore i'm always knee deep into yeah we're Android. adults so i know like, that's the first thing to go but first like thing to go, my recently yeah. since since i started using a book style foldable i have actually started gaming a lot more on it because it has a mm-hmm. large enough screen to me to comfortably game on it so like i, I have reading. one of those telescopic gaming controllers that i open up and recently, when I went um, on vacation, like my brother's place during Thanksgiving, like I actually played quite a bit of games on my OnePlus Open. And now that I switched back to my Z Fold 5 in anticipation of, you know, what's coming next month, um, I'm going to be doing the same with my Z Fold 5 once I start traveling next month for all the events that are coming up. Look at that. It's like way better than Nintendo yeah. doesn't give you a screen that big. Look. No. I'm sh- it's, it's awesome. I'm shocked that, that that I I mean, and I'm not in the gaming world or whatever. What are you playing? Minecraft? What, what are you? What are you? Six? Yeah, that's Minecraft. Um, <laughs> Minecraft. What are you? Eight? Um, uh, the shade is Ron. so real over there. Ron. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh um, but I'm I'm shocked that I haven't seen anyone doing this with a foldable yet. Right? Like you're the, you're the first person I've seen. Oh, to, they do. Yeah, they yeah. do on Reddit. Yeah. Like if you go on yeah. Reddit, you'll see people post their that's setups it. all the time. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Oh. All right. Well, sounds like we're. That's all we have to say about that. My power is about (laughs) to go off. No. (laughs) So, all right. Well, we will. uh, We'll move on to the next story. Uh, Yes. Well, I I just we just wanted to let you know real quick that OnePlus did not settle, and that's not why there someone found a bug in one of their phones. Basically, in response to the reports from OnePlus Twelve owners over in China, uh, and to one of them having a bug in some glue and 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 like having like you know gaps between the the camera casing and the phone, just basically saying it's all standard. That's standard practice for tolerances to you know respond to kind of situations that might cause tension enough to crack the phone, uh, and glue is totally standard. Used it totally, you know, high quality still. We're not settling at all. That's basically it. And then Xiaomi throws shade at them for maybe settling uh, on the build quality of this. But um, more substantively, if you're a mid-range lover and you were sad that the OnePlus 11R, the R being, you know, OnePlus's mid-range series, was only available in India, well, guess what? This is your year because the OnePlus 12R will be coming to North America and Europe. Uh, Sorry for all of our listeners not in North America and Europe. But, you know, kind of setting aside all of the Android drama in the Chinese market, guess what? OnePlus 12R come to North America and the U.S. There you go. How about that? What? We're just going to leave it at that. Is going this this winter was you're supposed to be cozy at the start of the new year. You're supposed to be setting goals. You know, you're supposed to be like thinking about the year ahead. We're going to be barreling through all these new phones coming down the pipeline. I got to tell <laughs> you, I'm I'm I am so excited to get my hands on the OnePlus 12. Like I like this, this is this is I'm at a point I'm at a point now where I can't decide which phone I want as my daily driver more whether it's the the Google Pixel 
8 Pro, which I'm currently using, the OnePlus Open, or the upcoming OnePlus 12. Like, this is like, I can't remember a time where it's been like, it's been a, a plethora of phones to choose from that I'm like excited to use. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone there, but I think well, it's burden by choice. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're right. And OnePlus has really increased the value on their devices. Like the, my husband uses a, whatever OnePlus I give him and <laughs> he has some, he takes some incredible pictures that I was never able to take in my review any any review I've taken of our kid like he knows how to use the freaking depth of field on there like he he understands I don't know what it is what it is but he vibes with it and so I like that we still have one plus (laughs) no one plus is on the upswing man this is like this is like second third act of one plus man I'm 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 pro one plus so yeah no I know it's I'm just I, do I wish they were a little less bubbly on their interface? Yes. Well, yeah, that, that's the that's the only thing that that's, that's the, the only thing. thing that's got me on the fence. And and Michelle, yeah. are you you're using the OnePlus Open as your daily driver, right? Or, or OS so? wannabe? I was, but I switched over to the Z Fold Five okay. back again because yeah. you know anticipation of the S twenty four series. Want to get back, used to One UI once again. Yeah, and Samsung does it really well. Okay, yeah. with the One UI yeah. on the foldable. That's like, a yes. that's a bridge I won't cross. I'm not I'm not coming over to Samsung land. Um, uh, as much as as much as I, as much as I know well, you would like me you, to, but just yeah. just step a foot in, Ron. Nope, nope. Ron doesn't like. Ron doesn't want smart He doesn't want smart select. I drew, a, li- I drew a line years ago when with Flo, when Flo was the president of the Samsung, um, the Samsung, what should we call it, uh, fan, fan club. club. Yeah, that uh, I, I, I for some whatever reason I. You know, I still sleep with the fold every night. <laughs> What you do at home is your own business, Flo. I'm not going to question or judge anything. We didn't ask. <laughs> well, this show's gone off the rails, and I love, love it. it. So, um, no, but I'm going to back. Michelle? Yeah, no, just saying, uh, bringing us back to topic. Like, one, one of the, I, I think I picked a perfect time to switch back to the Z Fold 5 because uh, one of the things I disliked about the Z Fold 5 was that. I had to use a Samsung keyboard app if I had if I wanted to use uh, stylus handwriting on the inner screen. Oh. But right as I switched back, Gboard started rolling out stylus handwriting yeah. support. So oh finally, God, yeah. I can have stylus handwriting when I'm using Gboard, and I can keep Gboard as my main keyboard on both the cover screen and the inner screen. I'm so happy right now. That is your so, Christmas um, fruit cake and eating it yeah, too. Just- <laughs> Over the weekend, a couple of users noticed that um, Gboard is now letting them write with their stylus on their device. A couple of Pixel tablet owners first noticed this, which, by the way, if you weren't aware, the Pixel tablet supports styluses, even though Google doesn't officially sell one. So, hey, Google, when are you going to... Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Totally accidentally. That was an accident. Uh You have to apologize. (laughs) Drink. When are you going to release your stylus for the Pixel tablet? (laughs) I don't think they're. By the way, I don't think they're going to. Because I remember asking them when I when I went and I saw the Pixel tablet. I was like, "Are you guys releasing any accessory besides the the stand up case?" And they were like, "No." So, I. By the way, I forgot all about that tablet. My tablet's sitting right there next to next to the computer. I, I totally it's, forgot about it. I, I saw I saw I saw an article that came out about the Pixel tablet saying that it was like Google's biggest mistake this year was the Pixel tablet. I love my Pixel tablet. I think it's great. I think I've been. I, it didn't get badly yeah. reviewed. People yeah. liked it. Yeah. It's just yeah. that it, it's it's just it's, tablets you know. as a form factor. That's that's the issue. You know. Yeah. So, so uh, speaking of the Pixel tablet and stylus, one of the other features that I think uh, maybe the reason why you know Google hasn't released a stylus accessory for it. 
is that there wasn't really a, a robust note-taking support within the Google mm-hmm. Keep app. And it looks like that's one of the things they look to be adding in a future release. Funny the recent one. versions of the Google, P- yeah. Google Keep app reveal that they're preparing to make it settable as a default notes app so that you can launch it from the lock screen shortcut. And in addition, you'll be able to quickly open it in a floating bubble and even insert screenshots of the current window so you can quickly jot on top of whatever you're looking at. Um, you can just tap a button on your stylus to quickly launch the default notes app. And it looks like the, you know, the kind of feature that you can already have if you have like an S Pen Pro and a Samsung Thank you, Michelle. I was waiting for you to say if you already have a Samsung device. Yes. <laughs> You've already had these exact same features for like years. Right. And uh, Google looks to be finally bringing this to Google Keep and hopefully to the Pixel tablet if they release a stylus accessory. Wow. wow. And speaking of things Google looks to be finally bringing <laughs> to apps, um, and Google Photos looks to be finally adding support for being set as a cloud content mm-hmm. provider for the Android Photo Picker. So back in 2020, when Google released Android 13, one of the features they introduced was the Photo Picker. And not a lot of apps use it, so you may not even be familiar with what it looks like. But one of the things they promised was integration with cloud media providers like Google Photos. Well, lo and behold, finally, Google Photos looks to be adding support for that. So soon, in apps that use the Photo Picker, once this rolls out, you'll be able to select photos and videos that you have backed up and stored in Google Photos instead of just whatever files that you have stored on your phone locally. That was so, it's so annoying um, when I'm trying to do one of those, like, those Instagram posts where it's like, post your, you know, post a photo of you from whatever. And you want to like, yeah, I know. But so I want to go look for a photo, but I have to actually go download it from the cloud, Mm, get it on my device before Instagram will pick up that it's like available. So. For That'll people that follow me on Instagram, yeah, I, I ran on a, a nightmare rant because what basically Instagram will ref, is basically refusing to use the photo picker because they want to do their own custom like photo media. Oh, picker. really? Yeah, that's what oh, it is. That's so before, so before, as as Michelle mentioned in his article, kind of like the there's a way to always get to cloud. There's always like a file picker which you can has have always used traditionally to kind of as a backup, so you can get to Dropbox, you can get anything that's like a document provider, which is basically yeah. a, a nice way of saying, hey, here, have my shit. Wait, was that too many? Did I? Sorry. Anyway, um, but so so the problem is a lot of apps like Instagram, they they have this. There's a, a feeling that, you know, um, you want to have your own media picker for whatever reason. Um, my team at Adobe did it. No comment there. And Instagram recently did it. And that's like the problem is that a lot of times when you're rolling your own media picker, like by hand, it's easiest to not support cloud cloud right. uh, cloud document provider. So yes, that's why Instagram freaking sucks and I hate it so much Instagram. You're right. You're- okay, so that dialogue is that's a good thing to know yeah, for yeah. users is that that you're right. That's not going to change. They that's always change. default you to whatever is like most recent in your camera roll and they don't they make it really hard for you to go yeah. in your f- Android folders, which yeah. is like it used to be better. It wasn't great. It did. It used to be better. And they made it worse because they wanted to make a tighter UI and they made the experience suckier. Don't <sighs> do that, devs. Use the damn photo picker for Android's sake. Wow. Wow. When got, when got, when got real. This is like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not even a developer and I'm scared. Yeah, I'm scared it's too. It's real dumb, you guys. Sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't have, I'm, I'm out of intellectual justifications. Use the damn photo picker. No, that was good. Cloud. That was really good background to like, no, I wouldn't yeah, have it, known that as a user. Yeah. That's, to, to be fair, it's hard, but I don't, I understand not supporting cloud doc, cloud photos, cloud documents, whatever. Especially in this, in this day, day and yeah, Especially in this Instagram. day and age, they make us pay for everything. 
Exactly. It's All right. Photo, well, photo. talk about in this day and age and, and paying for everything and the idea of premium. Um, one as we're talking about tablets, uh, moving forward, uh, premium quote unquote premium Android tablets will now get a premium Chrome experience by default. Um, so if you consider the desktop experience premium, that is, um, <laughs> Google says a premium tablet has eight gig of RAM or more, a ten inch display and a ten inch uh, or higher display. And Google reminds uh, folks that quote, desktop Chrome and Chrome on Android don't share all the exact same web platform APIs, so there could be some irregularities. So if you um, fall in this uh, kind mm. of thing and you think you're going to have a one-to-one relationship between your desktop Chrome and your premium tablet Chrome, you're still not going to. So um, That's wah, good wah. to know for apps like Reddit, by the way, which um, I've noticed are a lot less friendly if you're trying to do the mobile version because they want you to go download the app and do, yeah. you know, get the ad served. So I've been Mm -hmm. flipping into desktop mode on the Z fold when I open it up to read Reddit and it gives me all the features that are a part of the Reddit experience, but I can kind of feel it. It it makes things choppy. It feels friendly is an understatement. They are obnoxious about trying to use the app. I, know, I really don't want to. I just want to read my housewives gossip. <laughs> don't we all? Mm. Well, speaking of housewives gossip, right, Jason? Yeah, speaking of housewives gossip, uh, Google moving more of its stuff onto the device, including location history, right? There's obviously a, a Moving into their mansions. Um, you know, and Google's been doing this in a lot of different ways. I think we've, we've been hearing this a lot, you know, when it comes to AI processing, don't, don't, you know, not doing it in the cloud, moving it onto device, always with kind of security and privacy in mind. In this case, this is so Google's location history. So if you are go uh, into your maps app and you take a look at the, whatever is the timeline feature that, that if you have that activated, it tracks kind of like all of your location moves over a certain amount of time day by day by day total like uh you know uh honey pot or, or like gold mine that's the word uh for law enforcement if they want to you know pull that data that can really be incredibly valuable to them google is you know continually as are other big tech companies uh continually in a space where they want to kind of absolve themselves from the responsibility of sharing anything like this. That's why, you know, partially why the move to end-to-end encryption, and then, of course, in this case, keeping things on the device. So that that timeline feature, that really kind of um, desirable uh, set of data for, uh, for users uh, to um, law enforcement. Moving on to device, uh, eventually. It's, it's, it hasn't happened quite yet, but it's going to happen uh, in the next year. Do you have it set already? Yeah, I have it set already. So I just wanted to show that actually the way that you get to this, and I I can't scroll because it'll show you my address. The way that you get to this is you tap on your blue dot on the Google Maps app, and it will bring up this screen, and then you're going to keep scrolling, like pull it up. And then you will see here in the settings whether, let me do that, whether your device location is on or your location history is on. Uh, you know, whether auto delete is off, blah, blah, blah. And then you tap on that and it takes you to the actual settings panel. So this is just a much easier way than having to tap into like the Google account under the little cog icon. And then you would have to like tap into the right tab. So it's all trying to be transparent. The one, one question here is if you're moving this stuff onto device, how do you have that information on another device? So you get a new phone and you want to move it over, and Google has said that they'll, they're going to make it so that you can 
actually move that that data. Um, Samsung does that to. with smart switch now. So because a lot of their data now is encrypted on device. So mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. want you to feel that way by physically moving data from one phone to another. And so I imagine yeah, that's coming. I, I do wonder if this is all just like for show, just to make us feel make us feel like our data is safe just to make us feel period well, I, mean, I, I, think well. it, I think it marginally improves the the privacy around this are, are you wondering if google still has access to that even though it's on i mean they say they don't yeah they say, i would they say guess they that they well, wouldn't if you go back to the to the diverge article it says like one of the underlying reasons for this change is that whenever like there's some incident that happens in a particular right. area like law enforcement can subpoena yeah. and get like the location data of anyone who was in an area and you're potentially a suspect in some case, right? But now if all the data is stored locally and encrypted, then they can't really get any of that data anymore. Like Google can't. As long as you delete it. Yeah. Because then they could subpoena your phone just for anybody out there who's trying to evade. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's not not go too far. This is um, not legal advice, yeah. by the way. That was just me making a joke. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a great uh, <laughs> note to stop down on. Um, this this show has been wild, but uh, before we wrap up and say goodbye for the year to flow, let's uh, let's we got a couple more emails. Um, so, Michelle, I think you got the first one. I do, and this one comes in from Scott, who says, "Hey, AFM, so glad you guys continue the show after AAA ended." Even better now that Jason is officially official. I recently did the podcast migration from Google Podcasts to YouTube Music and was left thoroughly disappointed. It is so bare bones, it reminds me of the YouTube Music slash Google Play Music migration days. I love watching some podcasts and listening to others, so I feel like podcasting in general is in the worst place it's ever been, having to use multiple apps to watch some shows and another app to listen to another show. But that being said, can you please upload your video show to Pocket Cast? Love the show. Scott. All right. Well, a lot to unpack here. Um, there, there was there was a lot going on with Google Podcast this week, right? Wasn't there the the, the migration tool launch now, so you can start migrating your po- your Google Podcast into YouTube Music? So we saw some people talking about that. Did anyone do it? Is anyone using it? I don't know. I'm not using it. I'm not. Yeah. So because um, really, at the end of the day, Scott has the right answer, which is podcasting is not in a bad spot in Android. Just use Pocket Casts. I think that's the best solution, right? That's that's our uh, best one. But and it's we cross platform. But we have gotten people asking about the video version and RSS feed. Um, so I wanted to address that. Um, clearly, we're not as big of an operation as, as the the folks at Twitter or whatever. So we are we our video exists on YouTube on the DTNS channel. Um, there is a way to get that as an RSS feed and manually add that to Pocket Cast. So we're going to add that to our website so that everybody can do that. And that way you'll have the video feed in your, in, in, if that's your preferred method of viewing. Um, and we'll continue to look for ways to make it, um, uh, you know, make it easy for you to watch or listen or listen or watch the show as much as you want. That's our goal is to give it the way you want it. So um, that, that looks like the, the RSS feed of the playlist from YouTube will be the way to go for that. And you can just plug that into Pocket Cast. So um, we'll do a post on um, – where will we do a post? We'll do a post on Patreon, a public post. So you don't need public to be a member post. to find it. So anybody who goes to our Patreon will be able to see it. I'll do that tonight, and we'll get that set up, and we'll put it on the website as well. So – all right. I like promising things before I do them, so now I have to do them. 
<laughs> Accountability is super important. Yeah, exactly. Supposed to be accountable to exactly. our fam. And and honestly, and and Scott, if you can't find it or don't get it, just email us again, and I'll I'll email you and I'll tell you where to get it. So and 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 that goes for anybody listening. If you have any questions about where to find us or how to, just email contact at androidfaithful.com. Um, and uh. We will personally respond to whatever questions you have about Android Faithful. I can't answer any questions you have about your taxes or just your, your relationships or anything like that. Or we tips I can and answer tricks. the relationship yeah, We'll, we'll ones, forward the so. relationship questions to flow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Android Faithful specific ones will do that. So, um, all right. Well, we got one more email. Yeah. And this is our last email of the year and a very special one from Bob. Hey, F. Sorry, Bob. Hey, AFM. I've been a longtime listener of the podcast since 2016. I've always wanted to write in, but never got around to it. This time, I couldn't hold back, though. I just wanted to say I'm almost 40, but you guys nearly brought a tear to my eye in this episode with Surprise Union with Jason. I know you guys feel it, too, but as a listener, there's just a magic created when you guys are all together. It's really special, and there's no podcast, regardless of genre, that's quite like it. Ron. <laughs> you know what? Ron, we are awesome, y'all. We are awesome. We are. We are. We are legion. That's not right. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, Ron, Win, Michelle, and now Jason. What a powerhouse! Hope to see more of Florence as time goes on. Goes on too. Merry or happy holidays, Bob. You got your wish. Uh, mm-hmm. At least for today. Thank you for everything you do. It feels like a family. Hosts and listeners included. P.S. Ron, I'm a big YouTube music fan. (laughs) I'm going to have to write in full my thoughts on it someday. I don't think I'll ever sway you away, though. Winking, sticking out tongue face emoji. Uh, Take care. Bob. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Yeah, I think That's I think we, it, we're, we're ending on a make us get teary eyed, Bob. Way to go! Um, thank you. Um, but uh, no, I won't. You know, the irony about YouTube Music is that it's my default music app. That's what I use to listen to music. So it's like as much as my griping about YouTube Music, I am using it every day um, so that my kids can. That's listen. why you care yeah. so much. Yeah, exactly, it. exactly. Yeah. Um, you're close to it. But uh, but yeah. What a great way to end the year. Don't you guys think? Isn't that nice? <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Indeed. And I believe is going to be awesome, y'all. And, mm-hmm. and I believe Bob, who wrote that email in, was watching live tonight. Um, or no, or no, he was Bob from Pennsylvania was watching live. Oh, there, it's Bob from Pennsylvania. Yeah, no, yeah right. so <laughs> lots of Bobs watching. So, <laughs> um, hey, Bobs. Cool. All right. So uh, that's going to wrap us up, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Flo, not to put you on the spot, but since you're not going to be on our year-end show, uh, if you had to pick one thing from Android in 2023 that's your favorite thing, what would it be? Nearby share. <laughs> we should have seen that coming. You got. You already asked me about this for my for Thanksgiving. I did. Why would you think this would change? Well, I mean, Nearby Share launched on Windows in, out of beta this year, right? So you do have a legit like, when claim there. When that happened, Michelle, my life changed. The <laughs> gates to heaven opened officially. <laughs> so. All right. Without flinching. Nearby. <laughs> Excellent. Well, 
Do you want? Do you want to wrap it or you, you go for it, Jason? You're back. okay. I, I felt I felt like someone someone needed to step ahead. Um, Flo, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I know that you're you're writing amazing things for Gizmodo, Gizmodo.com, yes. and you. you're podcasting amazing things with uh, Andy and Ako on I Material. Am. I am. I am. Please tune in. Uh, we've got two more episodes of the year left for us as well. So please, if you're interested, we talk about some of the same things. Cool. Yeah. And Andy's great. And you can, you can get 442. Wow. Yeah, that's good. That's a good run. You can get that at relay.fm slash material. Slash material. Yeah, definitely go. Uh, it's great. Good stuff. By the way, I'm very happy that Jason is here because now when I come on, I'm literally just coming on to hang out with my friends. Yay. Not that I, I mean, I loved hanging out with you guys last time, but this just completes it. <laughs> If, if, if anything, this last week has just proven how much of our magic is Jason magic, and that's okay. Yes, we that's we, the, we love and accept. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, where did? Oh no, did I make the magic go away? It's getting awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're in the plug space, um, we can also we should let everyone know that Jason and I are going to be live streaming uh, the New Year's Eve streamathon this year, uh, yeah. on December thirty first. Um, and thank you to Willie in the chat for reminding me to talk about that. Um, but, uh, so on December 31st at one thirty five Eastern, you can tune in at dcstreamathon.org. Um, and you can check us out on the, on the, uh, Diamond Club, uh, stream action that's going on. And maybe we'll see if we can get some other special guests to, uh, come on to Jason. We, we haven't, just, yeah, we haven't discussed anything about that yet. So we, yeah. we haven't, we haven't even talked about what it could be. Last time we did it was a couple of years ago and we, you know, we talked a little bit about Android, of course, and then just talked about other random stuff. I mean, yeah. heck yeah. Let's, let's, Aww. let's talk about this off stream. And, and that's a, you guys, that's a good reminder. Cause I haven't told my wife yet. So. <laughs> well, we should invite her. Yeah, she could be a guest. Yeah, the, sure. the wives yeah. could also join. I was going to say you guys are Andy Cohen and uh, Anderson Cooper, the not gay versions, yep. <laughs> but still very drunk. Um, <laughs> right? Was one of didn't one of them get totally wasted on on uh, CNN or something like that? Yes. Okay. Uh, maybe both of them did. I have no idea. Um, as for me, Raygun.fun is a little easy place to go. It rhymes and it has all my things. And I did include Android Faithful there. Like I said, I was going to, Ron. So I did my homework. I did some of my <laughs> homework you, there. It's uh, it's on the screen. So there you go. Raygun.fun. Michelle, what do you want to leave people with? As always, you can find me everywhere. I am on Twix, Mastodon, Threads, Discord, Telegram, Reddit everywhere at Michelle Rahman. I'm also on Patreon if you want to support my work. Join the Discord to chat a lot about Android Google stuff and and uh, check out my articles, Android Authority, Android Central, a lot of different places. You can find me if you want to find out what's happening, what's coming next in Android. Michelle, I, Before tw- Android even knows it, Michelle knows yeah. it. Michelle, in 2024, I want you to branch out to Weibo, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> I have I have a WeChat already. It's just like I bear, I sometimes rarely get like DMs from product managers and like stuff from like it's, Chinese it's, companies it's all, and like and you can't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, it's just a language really pack. Just install the language pack. <laughs> Google Translate. <laughs> 
<laughs> All those ways to follow Michelle. Now you know. When? What about you? Hey, I'm an Android developer. I'm actually going to be doing some Android development soon, so maybe there's going to be some new con on my website, but nice. content on my website. But regardless, you can find stuff that I have done in the past. Uh, my talks on Android development, associated code and video at my website, randomlytyping.com, and you can find me, generally speaking, on the social places at Queen Code Monkey. But if you really want to find me, let's be real. As much as I complain about the app, Instagram. So if you really want to see what I'm doing, mostly it's working out and then Android stuff, work out, then Android, and then work out on Android and some Baldur's Gate 3 recently. Um, that's where I am, Queen Code Monkey. So there you go. Queen Code Monkey. Thank you. And finally, Ron. Yes. Well, I, I do love me an end of the year podcast. Uh, so you head over to ifanboy.com where <laughs> me and Josh and Connor wrapped up uh, 2013 in all media. So it's a three hour podcast where we talk about our favorite movies, uh, TV shows, um, uh, music, podcasts, books. Uh, and comic books uh, on the year. And I even gave a little plug for Android Faithful on the show there, so you can hear me talk about Android Faithful, the guys who don't understand Android. Um, but yeah, lots of good conversation about Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer and The Bear and, 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 and The Gold, which is a great show on Paramount Plus that everyone should check out. Um, and yeah, good times. Talk about music, talk about hardcore. It was fun. So uh, go to ifanboy.com to do that, ifanboy.com. And of course, follow me. I'm at, at RonXO across all the various platforms and stuff. So, okay, we didn't really talk about this. Do I read all these things? No, we don't. You you, you oh, riff okay. on what you like, really. We just oh, okay. this is where we just now plug the show. So uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you can subscribe in all the obvious ways that you normally subscribe to podcasts. Just search for Android Faithful or go to androidfaithful.com and uh, find all the information there, including all of our episodes. If you want to listen, you can just drop right in. Um, we do have a Patreon that you can support us at, and if if you do that then you get to vote on some stories you get exclusive content like the exclusive episode we're going to have in uh for patrons next week looking at the year in review that's patreon.com slash android faithful and you're supporting us directly when you do that so we really thank you for all of that contact at androidfaithful.com if you want to contact us uh we do this every tuesday evening so subscribe let us know what you think and uh yeah Great time, y'all. We'll see you next time on Android Faithful. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.